I, I have this message I'd like to share with you. And I don't want to assume that all of us are the same place. I realize that we, we may have been, some of us may have been following Jesus, and you hear me say this a lot for a number of years. And I get that. And, and if we are, have been doing that, then the real challenge for us always becomes, can we keep our hearts soft and tender? Can we still be warmed by the stories that we've heard so many times? For others of us, maybe, who we've just started to follow the Lord, or we're not even there yet, we came because somebody invited us, and we're doing a favor to a friend or a family member, which is possible. And, you know, Christmas time, it's okay to go to church then, too. Uh, I ask and, and believe and pray that you also would feel the warmth of God's goodness, that you would feel something of the spark of his presence in a real way. And the Lord will meet us where we are. Christmas is all about his coming. And I'm hoping that by the time we're done here, we'll have a little better understanding of why Jesus came and why we even celebrate Christmas and um, that our hearts would also be stirred. So in the moments that we're investing here on this Christmas Eve Sunday, I'm really looking forward to it. And I just want to pray a blessing over all of us together before we share this time. And so even now, Lord, um, I thank you for the opportunity to just talk about you and to be able to enjoy you together with, uh, with those who are here right now present among us. And I ask for your goodness and your grace and your mercy and your life and your love to flow um, like a gift, really. This is all about gifts. And so again, meet us where we are. I know some of us may have even come into this place, in this time, in this space where we worship you with a little familiarity. Others of us, we may have, have, have issues that we're working through that are hard. It's not an easy time for us. Uh, but wherever we are, I ask for you to come. You who loved us so and whom we celebrate this good morning, we ask for your blessing. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen, God. So I'm calling the message a, a long walk, and uh, you'll see why as we move along here. You know, we're turning our hearts, as, as it were, metaphorically towards Bethlehem. Christmas Eve is, is today. Tomorrow is Christmas. People all over the world, I mean literally millions of people, are marking this moment. They are marking it from every corner of the globe, every part of the world, every tribe in the Bible language, tribe, nation, kindred, tongue, all people groups coming together in so many remarkable ways, in different cultural expressions, to acknowledge the birth of Jesus Messiah. And how good is that? What a blessing that is. What joy it is. And for us, you know, we're going we're gonna to be having to choose ourselves, as some of us have already chosen today, this morning, by our presence. I really want to challenge us to think about, this is what I'm, I'm hoping we will do, that by the time we're done, we'll really be thinking about how we want to mark these next 24 hours or so. How we want to think about finishing this day and embracing tomorrow. I want, to, I want to suggest that there's a unique blessing that is only available at this time of the year. I'm saying it, and particularly at this evening and tomorrow. I believe part of that is connected to the fact that so many people are turning their hearts towards honoring the birth of Christ, the welcoming in of the one who brings light into the darkness of our world, to the brokenness of it. And so I think it, pre it presents to us an opportunity but that opportunity, like everything that we're given as an opportunity, only really has value for us if we take advantage of it. So how we choose to enter into this moment that we're about to share, how we choose to think about where we're going, some of us are going to be acknowledging tonight, you know, as we do the candlelight services, as a way of marking the moment of Christ's birth. And that, you know, some of you are aware that's happening tonight at 6, 8, and 11. And that's a very special, beautiful time for us. And, and we, we, we just welcome the one who has brought light. And we do it with song and in, in candlelight. And it's, it's a beautiful moment for us to do this. But whether we're able to do that this evening or whether a lot of us tomorrow, 
we, as we move into Christmas, please make some space to remind yourself of the reason for it. Create some room to do some of the things that we're going to talk about, just to do it, to honor it, to receive the blessing it's meant to be. Um, I want to talk about how to do this. Now, uh, we're just going to follow. I just, we'll just move along here in the passage of Scripture. I'm going to have us read. You can see the, the verses are in your handout there. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. You've got a Bible app, you can do that as well. But I want to read through the story that we've, we really are given of the account of the birth of Jesus. And uh, I just want to make our way through it, draw some observations, and then I have a place that I'd like it to take us. But it says that at that time, we start with Luke 2, verse 1, at that time the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. He wanted to tax the people. At the time, and I th- I'm not going to go into this in detail, but Rome was the world power at the time. The most ferocious empire the world has ever seen was Rome. Rome covered almost all of Asia Minor, Europe as we know it, uh, parts of Asia as well, uh, all the way down to, you know, Africa, I mean, it was, just, it was an expansive uh, military geopolitical operation that has never quite, we've never quite seen the likes of. When we say that Augustus was the emperor, he had complete authority. He was godlike. He sent a decree out because he needed to tax the people. That's how they raised revenue to, to keep the empire running. And so on the whim of an emp- emperor, Augustus, a man with total power, uh, the world is set in motion. And Joseph and Mary, Mary, who is pregnant with Jesus, uh, are forced to go to the hometown of Joseph, um, the place where his descendants were birthed, the town of Bethlehem. And we can see it. We'll just read it through. It says, this was, the Bible places this in a historical context. It says, this was the first census taken when Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. So they're leaving from Galilee and heading to Bethlehem. But what I wanted to point out just really quickly, and I, I just want to mention it, can we see how God intertwines his story with history? And I love the play on words as well. His story is history. And he intertwines the two. Oftentimes we... Uh, see things happening at a global level, at a historical level in our time, and we wonder, what's really going on here? How can this ever turn out? Is, is this all going to fall apart? Um, you know what Jesus taught us in Matthew 24? He says, kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall. Uh, what, what is, is this? God is often working in ways that we can't see, and he weaves through history seamlessly in ways that are not always seen. seen. Here's the thing. Nobody in the world would have known that the most amazing thing that was happening was not happening in Rome, the center of global power, but was actually the most amazing thing in the world that would end up changing this entire world as we know it. And this is true whether a person is a believer or not, is that there were two people who were being moved to on a journey, one of whom was about ready to have a baby. And they become the, the one they're going to bring into this world is going to change the world forever. But no one could see it at the time. If you were looking out, you, the most obscure thing, that was, it was like nothing. God sees differently. What matters to human beings and what we see and what we're afraid of, the movements of kingdoms that rise and fall, nations rise and nations fall, God weaves his way through it all. And this is part of that and what's happening. Now watch what happens in verse 4. It says, And because Joseph was a descendant, see it, of King David, He had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged. But he had not been with Mary. 
she was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. We're given the Christmas account right here. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Okay, one of the things, again, we see here, oh, and, the, and you know, these places that we just read about, Galilee, Bethlehem, and Judea, they, you can go to those places today. They're right there. The Galilee is almost in many ways a, a, a focal point. You come, it's in the north, about 100 miles down is Bethlehem. You can go there today. Bethlehem of Judea. Judea where Jerusalem was. Bethlehem, the house of bread, the house of David, where the one who would be born the bread of life, if you were, was going to come into this world. The, the fact is that that journey was a long journey. It was, again, 100 miles. And one of the things that it reminded me of as I just read these verses, and we should take note of it as well, is when you read the Christmas account, you're struck by the inconveniences of it all. There are so many things that don't seem easy. I mean, a 100-mile journey when you're by foot and donkey when you're pregnant is no easy thing. And then on top of that, when you finally arrive and you're ready to have the baby, as hard as it's been, you get there and there's no room for you. It's like there is no place to have, no room available anywhere. You came at the wrong time. You were late. Sorry, we've got a stable, a manger, a pl place where the animals are. But I'm going to have a baby. That's the best we can do. The inconveniences are everywhere, right? The long travel, the no lodging, it, the difficulty of, of making that journey. It's all there. I look at that and I go, wow, you know, Lord, it's not, it wasn't easy. Um, and what is, that, what is that to teach us? That it reminds me that we should not always assume, loved ones, and this is an important principle, that because the way is hard, listen, we'll put this up, that because the way is hard that somehow we're out of the will of God. This is a very important, I guess, principle I would like us to remember. We see it here. Just because something is difficult for us, we should not assume that we're out of his will. I know that at Christmas time, it's even though I'm making the case, and I'm going to make it, that we're to be intentionally joyful and glad, that we are to choose to release hostility in our hearts and drop resentments. I'm going to make that case. But I want to suggest also that I realize that for a lot of us, it's not necessarily, for all of us, it's not necessarily an easy time. I had someone come up to me after the last service, utterly in tears, at the, and she explained to me the brokenness that she was walking through and the tension that was in her home. She says, how can I be happy right now? And I, it was honest. It was authentic. It was real. And there were tears flowing down. And you know what? We prayed together. But the point being is, I said, you know, we're not, just because things don't go well for us, we should not assume that, and I'm not saying, oh, that's a good thing. No, I'm saying this. God can bring good things from even the worst of things. And difficulty does not always mean that we're outside of something that God's trying to do. Therefore, it needs to we need to shift our perspective a little bit at times. Sometimes some of the seasons that are most difficult in our life are the seasons of greatest growth and breakthrough. Sometimes some of the places of most, most inconvenience and the highest level of stretching is the place where the real life comes. Things are not always as they seem. And we can underestimate God's ability to use the broken to bring the good. I've seen it too many times. I've seen it in my own life. I see it always. God's ways are not always our ways. And he can work in places that other people can't ever see. So if we can change the way we approach things and watch with 
with sort of an expectation of what God can do. God can turn hardship into favor. Okay, verse 8. Let's look at this. And I didn't want to run past that because I don't want to like, okay, hold on. I don't want to overly sanitize and romanticize the story because I don't think that's real life. But what I am saying is God makes everything better. Everything. And so don't push him away. Christmas is inviting us to invite him in. Ah, oh, it's a mess. I know. Bring him in. You don't know what they've done. I know. Bring him in. What about bring him in? Settle that heart. Open it up. Welcome him in. All right. Verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby. We're going to read it through. Guarding the flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory, it just surrounded them. They were terrified, these shepherds. But the angel reassured them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord. He's been born today. In Bethlehem, the city of David. You're going to recognize him by this sign. You go down there, you'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. He's lying in a manger, an animal trough. Suddenly the angel was joined by this vast host of others for one brief moment, and that's barely what it is. Heaven explodes in phenomena. The skies open up. And he says, and then it says that they were joined by this vast host of others, the armies of heaven, as it's described, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. I want us, I want us to see something here, that the core of our message, the core of our message, listen, loved ones, let's never forget this. The core of our message is good news. It's good news. It's the invasion of joy. Our proclamation is a Savior has been born. Now, the reason I say that is because in a world that's filled with bad news, and there's a lot of it, you know it and I know it. I mean, not, and I'm just saying, even if you just, if we look at a, around our world, we see wars and threats of wars. And I've had young people coming to me saying, you know, you know do you think we're going to have a nuclear war? You know, at some point. What do you think is going to happen with that whole situation in North Korea? What about the Middle East and all the things that are brewing there? What about this? What about that? What about the, the, the emergence of powers? And, and the, it's just scary for some people. We want to talk about it. Then you come into our own country. And I can tell you that just from my lifetime, I've never seen a time where there's been more division, where it's harder to talk with just, you know, respect that you don't always have to take a side. There's so many people fracturing into groups and there's so much pain and then you have the underbelly of culture being ripped out and we're seeing abuses and how people in authority are taking advantage. We're seeing all these things happening and it can very easily become disillusioning to us because it's constant, it seems like constant bad news. Everybody has to be against something, right? It's, it's almost like, you know, you have to take a side. If you don't take a side, you have to, have, you have to, be, you have to be angry about something. And I, under, and I understand that there is such a thing at times as being kind of, you know, righteously upset at something, I suppose, and that sometimes that becomes a stimulus for action. But I'm going to say at Christmas, in this moment, today, tomorrow, especially, but just as a whole view of things, let us focus also really, can we just say, I want to focus on the good news for a bit. And in a bad news world, Talk about the good news of what God has done and let it settle into our heart and settle into our spirits. Almost say, well, I've got stuff brewing in my own life. You know, if, if I didn't have enough stuff going on out there, it's enough stuff going on in here. I know. Let, let's, can we let the good news settle in? That's what I'm saying. You know, there was this, uh, I put this prayer 
uh, for Robert Louis Stevenson, and a lot of us think of him as the author, you know, Kidnapped and Treasure Island and all that. He's a great author. Um, he loved Christmas. And he wrote a Christmas prayer. And I, I said, can you guys, let's put this at the handout. So here, here it is. Because again, just thinking about the good news and how we're to think about tonight and how we're to think about tomorrow. It's, and look at this prayer. Loving Father, help us to remember the birth of Jesus that we may share in the song of the angels. I love that. The song of the angels, the gladness of the shepherds, and the worship of the wise men. Song, gladness, and worship. You see the themes that are there? That's what this time's about. Song and gladness and worship. Close the door of hate. Open the door of love all over the world. Ah, let the kindness come with every gift and good desires, with every greeting. Let's choose to do this. Right? Deliver us from evil by the blessing which Christ brings and teach us to be merry with clear hearts, hearts that are unclouded and unoffended and not angry. Try to help us, Lord, to do that. May the Christmas morning make us happy to be thy children and the Christmas evening bring, our beds with, bring us to our beds with grateful thoughts, accent on the Thanksgiving, come on, forgiving and forgiven. For Jesus' sake, amen. When we realize how much we've been forgiven, Christmas invites us, how much we're loved, Christmas invites us to drop our offenses, to seek to forgive, to let go of things, to set people free in our hearts. You don't know what, I know. I know how much we're loved by God. He has come. You know what? I'm not saying everything can always be made right, but I'm saying we can choose to be as right as we can be. We can choose to not have things that we hold on to that are just kind of getting the best of us, doesn't mean we are, are to be doormats. doesn't mean that we're to become codependents and share someone's dysfunction necessarily and just allow for it and let it play itself out while we do nothing. But it does mean at times that we are to be a people who seek to always contend for the best, that we guard our own hearts, as Stevenson's pointing out, that we keep the Christmas blessing. Lord, keep this blessing in my heart. Remind me that I am both forgiven and one who has been born to forgive Remind me to not hold on to things too tightly. Teach me this night, this day, to welcome you in, Christ, into my life, freshly and freely. Help me to live this way. See, I love Christmas partly because it's an invitation to keep a childlike heart. And in a world that's so cynical and angry, to retain a heart of faith and wonder and appreciation for beauty and goodness and the love of God. Now, we push forward here. Let's go, let's go on in a little bit of the text. Verse 15 says, When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. There it is. And there, there was the baby. See it? Lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. And all who heard the shepherds' stories, well, they were just astonished. They couldn't believe it. But Mary, she kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. And the shepherds went back to their flocks glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. You know what? It was just like the angel had told them. And that's the account. In my mind's eye, I see the shepherds making their long walk back to the flocks. They are just excited, amazed, shocked, stunned. But it's a, it's a journey back. One of the things, if you see it, when we, what we just read here, one of the things that's apparent, do you see this? Is that so much of the Christmas story is about journey and travel about movement and music, about seeing and singing, about glory, about giving. You see the rhythms of the story all over it. 
you know, and it reminded me, I came, I came across uh, a little story that just, it, it set my heart up, uh, up uh, on this. And it was by a man named Gerald Bath, and he, was, he told the story about a missionary in Africa who was teaching um, her students about giving at Christmas. And what I loved about the little story when I stumbled upon it was the way that it, it, it weaved so many of the themes that we just alluded to together. And it's called A Long Walk, and I want to share it with you. All right? It says that an African boy listened carefully as his teacher explained why, why, do, why do Christians give presents to each other on Christmas Day? I mean, what's the point of it? Can you explain that tradition to me? And she said this. She says, well... The gift, the, gift, the gift is an expression of our joy over the birth of Jesus and, and, and our friendship to each other, right? So we give these gifts because we, we we're celebrating the gift of who Jesus is, and then we're celebrating our love and our affection, our friendship for each other. And so what happened was when Christmas Day came, the boy, the young man, he, he brought the teacher. Remember, this is in Africa on the coast. He brought the teacher a seashell uh, of luxurious beauty. I mean, it was, it was a wonderful shell. And she was stunned at how beautiful it was. And she said, where did you ever find such a, a beautiful shell as this? And, the, and, and she just kind of was like, you know, touching and, and, and kind of just in, appreciating it. And the boy told her that there was only one spot where such an extraordinary shell could be found. These shells were only found in a particular bay. He named the place. It was like several miles away in a cove. The teacher was left speechless. She says, I'm, I'm shocked. I, I... She says, but it's so beautiful. It's so gorgeous. It's wonderful. It's like, what a gift you've given me. But, but, but you, 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 you shouldn't have had to go all that way to get this gift. That's... You, you, for me, his eyes brightening, the boy answered, long walk is a part of the gift. The long walk is a part of the gift. And I, I go, oh, there's so much there, right? It was the effort. It was the thought. It was, it was the, what was expressed in the not just the gift itself, right? It wasn't just the shell. It's what he was saying. It was not just, the shell's great, but it was what it cost him to get it, right? It was the long walk that he made to get the beauty of the gift, right? That was part of the gift's beauty. Maybe in some way, if you can hear it, in some way it was just as important, maybe even more so. And I thought, how far, and I'm talking to those who, are, who will follow the Lord here, but how far out of the way are we willing to go for the Lord, right? How far does our devotion reach? How much are we willing to be stressed or inconvenienced? Or, or, you know, how much of a long walk are we willing to take to show our love? I keep thinking about Mary and Joseph making their long walk. They took their journey. And there was inconvenience and there was difficulty and it wasn't easy. And, and, but there was no murmuring. There was no complaining. There was no, where God, where are you? Why aren't you showing up for me? You owe us. I'm doing this for you. Come on. You know, it's none of that. None of that was there. Right? I, I, okay. So here's what I want to suggest, loved ones. This Christmas, I would like us to consider a couple of things. One, and first of all, I want to suggest that what the Lord really wants from us is our hearts. 
This Christmas, I want us to remember that at the core, God wants our hearts. Are we willing to make a, a long walk? That's what I'm saying. A walk that says, you have my heart, my time, my devotion, as evidenced by my willingness to give you something that costs me something to obtain it. It's the why, right? Um, I kept thinking, you know, one of my favorite, um, uh, well, I would say it's my favorite Christmas poem. And I know not everybody's into poetry. But this is not like super complex poetry. It's the kind of accessible one that I kind of like better. But here it is. It was written by a woman named Christina Rossetti. And it connects exactly to what I'm saying about giving the Lord our heart. She says, and watch these words, because it's, it's awesome. In the bleak midwinter, frosty winds made moan. I love that phrase. It's, a, it's quite a phrase. Frosty winds, like the, the, the way that the wind makes it sound. In the bleak of winter and the fr frosty winds made moan, right? Earth stood, what was that? Hard as iron, water as a stone. Snow had fallen, snow on snow, snow on snow, right? In the bleak midwinter long ago. And then she pops out with this statement. Our God, heaven cannot hold him, nor earth sustain. Heaven and earth shall flee away when he comes to reign. In the bleak midwinter, a stable place sufficed. Our Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ. And then watch what she says. How can I return this? What can I give? What can I give as poor as I am? Right? What can I give as poor as I am? If I were, if I were uh, a, sh a shepherd, I would bring him a lamb. If I were, if I were uh, a wise man, I would do my part. What can I give him? I give him my heart. I, I love that. What can I give you, Lord? As poor as I am, as, as filled with contradictions as I am, as, uh, the sinful man I am, the, the one who can forget your goodness, that man. The one who can hold on to a grudge even though I have been forgiven. That man. What can I give you as poor as I am? How can I repay you? How can I give you back? Again, I go back to that. That whole idea of God breaking into humanity's darkness. That's what that poem's all about. In the bleak midwinter, right? Frosty winds did moan. There's this idea. Earth you know, stood hard as iron. You know, water like a stone. There's this, this sense of, of kind of darkness and, and nothing can break through. And into that comes the Lord, right? He just like breaks through. Snow had fallen, snow had fallen. I, I, in the, again, this whole idea of God, what, what do we give him? We give him our hearts. I give you me. I give you my heart. What's more, present this. This Christmas, let us mark the love that came to us from afar, right? Let us celebrate the walk of love that God made to change everything. Do you see it? Do you see it? Think about it for a moment. We're talking about the walk of God, the gift he gives. Do we see what has happened? God, it's, it's, God gives us himself. He gives us himself. And we're celebrating the one who gives, who's made the long walk, as you were, as it were, and has come to us. The, the, the idea that God makes the, the, makes the journey to, to get to us. You know, Jesus alluded to this. Um, he was talking about himself. Look what he said in John 3, 12. He said this. He says, look, if I have told you, he has this conversation with a seeker, a man named Nicodemus, who had a religious background, an orientation. 
and he was wondering, who are you, Jesus? And Jesus said this, look, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. You see the journey God makes. And then if you follow Jesus along in that conversation, he eventually gets to what we call John 3.16. He eventually says, listen to me. God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever would believe in him should not die. Death would not be the final word, but would have life everlasting, right? Everlasting life. For God did not send his Son, he's talking about himself, into this world to condemn it. It's already got death on it. But that the world through him might be, there it is, saved. That's the invitation. That's the promise, right? You know what someone said? Christ himself was the Christmas present. He was the first Christmas present. In the words of the great, the great uh, preacher Wallace Hamilton, he said, he said, God came walking down the stairway of heaven with a baby in his arms. That's Jesus. I thought about the long walk. The walk that God makes, the journey that God took to get to us. But I also found myself thinking about another walk. And I'll leave it with this piece. Let us never forget. And again, it just, it just hit me when I started thinking about that story of the boy. You know, when he says, the walk is, is part of the gift. That was it. And I said, God, you made, a, you made another walk for me. Not only you did the walk to come to us, but 33 and a half, 33 years later, you made another walk. And that walk changed everything. He made a lonely walk down a lonely, down a lonely road in the streets of Jerusalem. I think it's important for us to remember another long walk that was, that was the walk that the one who was born for made for us, right? That walk, the one that he gave, the, the walk that he made to fulfill a promise he had made to pay a debt we could never pay, to obtain for us a gift we could never earn. That's what we're talking about. That long walk down the street of Jerusalem when he was utterly alone, that walk, that walk when he, couldn't even, he didn't even have enough to carry his own cross. They had to pull somebody out of the crowd, Simon, to help him carry it. The bottom line is he had nobody. He walked that path utterly alone, and he walked it for us. I thought about that walk, right? It's, it's, it, look, it, and, and, and you know, in my mind, that was part of the gift. That walk down the streets of Jerusalem that Jesus makes, down the streets of Jerusalem into the gates of hell, is what he did. Literally. It was part of his gift to us. Do you see that? His suffering, his pain, his ignominy, his shame. It was his gift. He walked it. You know, for God so loved the world, John 3.16 has always had two meanings to me. God so loved the world that he gave has always meant both Christmas and Calvary. It's always spoken of a cradle and a cross. He gave us his son in both places, right? Well, can I, how do I, pay, how do I pay back someone who loves us like that, who goes all the way? I kept thinking about it. I was thinking, Lord, you, you made not only the walk to get to us and to be born on Christmas Day and enter into this dark world, but you also made a walk for us to buy back for us something that I could never get on my own ever. You made a long walk. You walked the place alone. You were forsaken. You were abandoned. 
You were, you suffered. You were stripped down and you were shamed. And you walked that for me. You were so beaten and so weakened and so literally taken advantage of that you couldn't even do it in your humanity on your own. That's how much you, that's, that was the walk you gave. Here's the gift. Yes, the gift is what? Life. Oh, what a gift. Ah, oh, what a beautiful promise that this life of ours doesn't end here because we all have a walk, you know, but that we keep walking right past the end point, which all of us will have into the next place where life lives. That's the promise of Christ. But it's all secured in the walk that the one who was born made for us. I, what can I give him? There it is, as poor as I am. If I were a shepherd, I bring him a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. What can I give you, Jesus? I give you as best as I can. I give you my heart. And that means that as long as you will walk with me, I want to walk with you. That's what this, that's what this is about. I believe this Christmas more than, any, more than anything else what the Lord wants is, honestly, he wants our humble hearts. That's what he really, if you really want to know what God wants, he wants our humble hearts. He wants, um, he wants my bended knee. I love you. I humble myself. He wants my sincere songs and prayers. He wants them. It's the walk. It's the motive. It's the heart. That's what he wants. And, and, and I look at this and I go, he wants it with, what he really wants, he invites us into singing with joy, with gratitude in our hearts. And, and you know what? I look at this and I go, I, I think that if we can tomorrow, some of us just to make a point, to mark with some degree of gratitude, thank you, Lord, for coming into this world, how good it is, how, how thankful I am that you have come among us and that you made that journey to us and then you ultimately made that, that journey for us into a place we didn't want to go and could never go on our own. You did it. I love you. I love you, Lord, for that. And, 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 and then maybe some of us, that's what we're going to mark tonight, right? When we go, I just want to remember you, the light who was coming in the darkness. Thank you for that. Thank you, because it's, this is not just a long walk to nothing, my life, all of a sudden. That's because that's exactly what it would be without him. A long walk nowhere. But because of him, see, there it is, in the bleak midwinter, right? That's the whole picture of it. Out of that place comes the Christ. And it, and, it, and it evokes response on our part. And that response is meant to be our heart. What can I give you as poor as I? I give you my heart. So, so can we put, look, no matter how many times we've heard it, the story, let's connect to the meaning of it. Thankful hearts, soft hearts. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. We'll have our time of giving, but I want to pray over this that we shared together. And Lord, I do thank you. Uh, I thank you so much. Because you know why? The, the, the cross is not the end. The resurrection is. It's like the life wins because of what you did. The light wins. The light breaks through. The long walk you made for us. God, help me to help me, help us, help whoever will have you to do two things. One, one Lord, two. Um, to accept your embrace. I just, I feel like maybe some of us here have never, we've, maybe some of us here haven't ever accepted your embrace in our lives. The fact that you made that walk, for, we, we just, that, that gift you gave is just like, you gave it to us. And you say, it's a beautiful gift. Thank you. I could, so beautiful. I know. And the, it is. 
the price that was paid to get it for you. I thank you for that as well. Lord, help, help us to accept your embrace, even in our brokenness. Help us to accept your embrace, even perhaps even, even, maybe even in our shame. And hear this last prayer, Lord. Help us to accept your embrace, even in our unbelief. And for those of us who do believe, Lord, help us to also receive your embrace afresh in our lives. Help us to remember that you made that walk for us. God, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then, Lord, help us to embrace you back. Because I think that's part of what this day is supposed to be about and tomorrow as well. That we embrace you, the one who embraced us. We, we thank you that we too can make our walk through this life not alone. You are alone, really. And you did it, but you invited. Because of what you did and the way you walked, we never walk alone. So I thank you, Lord. Again, don't know the duration of our lives. Don't know how many more Christmases we have. I don't. Don't know many I have, how many I have on this side of eternity. Well, however that walk is, Lord, I want you to walk with us, with me. And then I want to walk with you in such a way, oh, Jesus, let it be. I want to walk with you in such a way that when the time comes for me to walk out of this world, that I can walk with you into the next life evermore. That's your promise. Humble King, we love you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.